Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. We called a facility up in Seattle, Washington, uh, over the last several days to see how Softy was doing. He is out. He is out of the facility of misery. And with us now on 365 Sports, there is glimmer in Seattle for the University of Washington. Softy, how you doing, buddy? And did, did UW do it right? Well, I may have left the uh, psychiatric hospital, but I still have to go back for a weekly checkup. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not out of the woods yet. My doctor says you got to come back and we got to check on you once a week and make sure that you're not a danger to yourself or others around you, man. I mean, it's been uh, brutal, man. It's been absolutely brutal this last week. I mean, Dave, eight days ago, Washington was playing for the national championship against Michigan, and now almost every starter, either via the draft or the portal or graduation, is gone. Uh, And there's a new coach in Jed Fish who obviously, as you guys know, was hired yesterday. My mind is completely blown by how much things have changed for Husky football in the last eight days. I've never seen anything like it ever. It's, it's crazy, man. When Nick Saban retired, how quickly did Husky fans get nervous about Kalen DeBoer? Very quickly. I got nervous about Kalen DeBoer when I found out that he hired Jimmy Sexton to be his agent. <laughs> yeah. And that was a couple months ago when that word came out that he had kind of let go of his longtime guy um, and, and, and hired the Scott Boris of college football. I mean, there's, there's two guys that run college football. I think you know who they are. It's Jimmy Sexton and Greg Sankey. And when you got one of them working for you who can, you know, move all these chess pieces around, Sarkeesian, Norvell, DeBoer, Saban was a client of his. I don't know how much Jimmy Sexton subscribes to the client-lawyer privilege, but the idea that Kalen DeBoer had known for weeks, if not months, that Nick Saban was going to call it quits, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of reality. I mean, look, this guy was offered a contract before Washington played Oregon on December 1st in Las Vegas for about $8.5 million a year. And his agent, smartly so, said, don't sign anything because if you win the whole thing, that 8.5 is going to become 9.5, if not 10.5. And he was exactly right. Uh, He played it great, right? Both sides played it great uh, when it comes to money. And it was to UW's detriment, right? I mean, Washington in the end, I I heard yesterday actually came in with an offer for $10.5 million. But by that time, I think, uh, you know, the cart was too far down the road, guys. We're talking about Alabama, right? I mean, look, I mean, whether it's 10.5 in Seattle or 10.5 in Tuscaloosa, the allure of Alabama is just too much for any head coach, I think, to turn down especially one like Kalen DeBoer, who you got to remember, you know, seven, eight years ago was coaching at Sioux Falls, for God's sake, in the NAIA. There's no no part of him at that point in time in his life thought he'd ever be succeeding Nick Saban 
at Alabama. So I, I don't blame him for doing it at all. I'm bummed out beyond belief that he left because he's a phenomenal coach and a great guy. I, I loved covering him and working with him. And the fact that he's gone, it just, you know, there's no other word for it. It sucks. Absolutely sucks. Softy, uh, we were talking about this uh, last week and the rumor started up, and I was kind of saying along the way for all the teams that were involved in having success, you enjoy the journey, enjoy the moment. Were you at least able to do that? Were you able to enjoy that journey of this past season and, and really soak in the yeah. moment, even though it didn't end the way that you wanted it to? And now, oh, obviously, yeah. a double no, whammy. It was a, hell of a, it was a hell of a ride, man. I mean, it feels different now looking back on it, right? Maybe you don't have the same kind of affinity for it that you should which sucks i mean those players had nothing to do with this they busted their ass man they got they got washington to you know 25 and 3 over the course of two years or uh, yeah 25 and 3 beat their hated rival three times twice in one year won the last ever pac-12 championship in vegas won their first new year's six bowl game since rick neuheisel won the rose bowl in 2000 uh, they won the most games ever in program history, had a runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. It was a hell of a run. I just think a lot of more people would kind of enjoy it and, and maybe feel differently about it if the team wasn't gutted and the head coach didn't take off the minute the season was over. So, yep. you know, look, I mean, depending on how long it takes Jed Fish to get this thing back on track, um, ask me in three or four years how I feel about the way this thing ended. But I think in the end it was a positive for Washington no matter what. You know, if you would have told me, Three years ago or two years ago after Washington went four and eight and Jimmy Lake got fired, that you're going to hire a guy who's going to be here for two years and do all those things I just mentioned, but then he's going to bolt and the roster is going to fall apart and a new guy's going to take over. Um, I think I still would have signed up for it, to be honest with you. So did your mind immediately once the job opened go to a Jed Fish? And regardless, what were your thoughts or what are your thoughts now that it is Jed Fish? Yeah. Well, I mean, it is the usual suspects. Lance Leopold, Kansas, uh, Matt Campbell, Iowa State. You know, guys that were here, Ryan Grubb, obviously the offensive coordinator was the guy that we talked about, but they were never going to hire Ryan Grubb. They were never going to hire a coordinator to be their head coach, not after what happened with Jimmy Lake two years ago. You know, that, that, that experiment fell apart so badly for Washington that they were just never going to go and let this be a training ground for anybody. They, they had to get a sitting head coach and somebody with experience. And guys, let's face it, Jed Fish doesn't have a boatload of experience. He's only been the head coach at Arizona for three years. He coached two games at UCLA when Jim Mora got fired. And he went one and one, losing their bowl game. And then he went to Arizona three years ago. And he went 17 and 22. Now, the good thing about Jed Fish Got a lot of contacts in the NFL. Good thing about Jed Fish, he took a 1-11 and 11 football team, and two years later they were 10-3. and three, And two of those three games, by the way, guys, they lost in overtime, uh, one of them in triple overtime to USC. So that's how far away they were from maybe winning every single game they played this year. So I don't know, man. I mean, I'm going to give the guy a shot, obviously. I, I, I don't know if they could have done much better than what they just got in Jed Fish, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, Troy Dannon getting this done as quickly as he did. This whole thing for UW kind of fell apart on, on Thursday night, to be honest with you. And by Sunday afternoon, the fact that they already had a head coach in place, uh, just, just glad it didn't drag out any longer because this, this program needs a leader and one fast. Softy, who left under worse circumstances, Fish or DeBoer? Oh, boy. Good question. You know, probably DeBoer, to be honest with you. Um, 
I know that Kalen wasn't very happy with the fact that the word came out Friday morning that he was leaving before he had a chance to tell his team. Um, Jed Fish had a lengthy statement, Dave, that he put out on social media. I never really saw that from Kalen, to be honest with you, and that was slightly disappointing. But I just think, you know, when you've got a team that is on the verge of maybe being a contender every year for a playoff spot in the Big Ten, and you take off for Alabama, again, I don't, I, I don't blame the guy. And I, I, I don't think there's any real good way to do this, right, guys? I mean, when you're going to leave, you're going to leave. People are going to be mad. Feelings are going to be hurt. People will call you a fraud. They'll call you a traitor. Yeah, that, that, that's just kind of part of the equation here. I mean, when you leave 100 and whatever guys who you've told for years that you love them and that you trust them and that you want to be there for them every minute, and then all of a sudden you're not, this kind of stuff is just going to be – it's inevitable that you're going to get talked about like that. So there really is no soft landing for anybody. But I would say that the way that Kalen left might be a little bit rougher than the way Jed left. But you know what, guys? Honestly, I, I, I wasn't on that side in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, don't even care. I mean, it sucks for college football. I hate what college football has become in some ways in this regard. But I was more concerned about the way Kalen left than the way Jed Fish left. Softy, I mean, you mentioned that for, for college football and the way things work. The timetable here is just not, you know, Nick Saban retires after the national championship game. You know, everybody else has kind of put their pieces in place for the most part. So it's not it's not really an effective time to do it because you have, you know, they're trying to replace Jed Fish in Arizona in 48 hours. They did the same thing right. with Kalen DeBoer. Right. It doesn't seem reasonable to be like, all right, this is our guy. We better make sure we get it done in, in 24 hours so we can be here doing a press conference before everybody flips yeah. out. Well, and then you got the portal, and then you got the 30-day window, which is, you know, that's the new that's the new reality of college football. And I get it, and frankly, I'm a fan of it, you know. Uh, I think the more power the players have to, to move around and – and go do something that they want to do and take advantage of their little sliver of time they have in their lives to play college football, go for it. But there's a negative to it, right? And the negative is that teams fall apart and that fans are left kind of holding the bag. You know, programs are left holding the bag. The new coach is left without a real roster. Um, There's a price that comes with that. And, And this is the price that you're seeing. If everybody is okay with this and, this is what we want college football to be, then great. So be it. If, if the main important thing is to get the players as much freedom of movement as possible, then we've accomplished that. But there certainly is a negative to that side, and you guys are seeing it right now. Softy, uh, with us, you, you had an idea. I think I saw this. I know you got to go for your own show. Um, there is no – there are no – I got like, time. I'm off today, by the way. Okay, good. There, There's no way to prevent the portal right now. I mean, it, it is what it is. But I thought I saw you had an idea about players like they do in the NFL. You, you right. Yeah, you want to go play for a coach, for a certain coach, but you're drafted. That's not going to happen. But you then go and you sign with a school and you get the extra money because they share the revenue – do you feel like that would help change things and never maybe happen, but is that your idea? Well, I just think, look, I mean, if, if we're not going to let you transfer around, you know, after coaches leave, then there's got to be some kind of compensation for giving up that power, and the compensation would be in the form of money, right? I mean, you're, you're basically a pro athlete. I mean, can you imagine in the NFL, guys, if in the NFL they allowed the entire roster to pack up and move after a head coach got fired or quit, like, uh, Pete Carroll was just let go a week ago by the Seahawks. Can you imagine if all 54 guys were allowed to walk? 
and just take off. I mean, that's chaos, right? Crazy. But, you know, college football players aren't compensated the way they are in the NFL. So I think you start compensating college football players. You make them sign contracts with teams. It's a, it's a, it's a five-year deal. Um, and we're going to pay you X amount of money a year. You get your agent, you get your lawyer, and we'll sign this thing, and you're, you're with us. And if you don't want to do it, then, then don't do it. But if you don't want to do it, then you're not going to get paid. You know, what do you want? Do you want your compensation as an employee, or do you want your freedom to take off and, and move if a coach is replaced or quit? So I, I just think they got to find a way to get this under control because, Dave, look, in the end, Washington's going to figure it out. But then Arizona's got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then whoever whoever Arizona hires, that school's got to figure it out. We just keep kicking the can down the road and just making this somebody else's problem, right? So, I don't know. I mean, I just think in the end this whole thing's got to be looked at because there's just pure chaos right now in college football. This much player movement every single year I, I don't think is good for the game. How uh, – and I don't know if it's the stadium, the field, and I don't know that enough, Softy, but is there a statue? How is Don James – um, honored at, at Husky Stadium. How is that? There's, there's a statue between uh, the basketball arena and the football stadium okay. that looks out to Montlake. And Jim Owens and Don James are the only two guys that have statues outside the stadium. I think because of what you've seen lately with DeBoer, and again, it's part of who we are as college football today, I think they need to make that statue of Don James 10 feet higher. No kidding. And there's never going to be another Don James ever. And I said that on Twitter the other day that I got a bad habit, man. Every time the Huskies hire a new coach, we always wonder, hey, can this guy be the next Don James? And what that means is, can he be there for 15, 20 years? You know, not necessarily is he going to win a national championship and, you know, go to six Rose Bowls, for God's sake. But is, is this going to be a guy who's going to spend the rest of his career as a head football coach with us on campus at Washington? Is he going to be our guy? And I just don't think you're ever going to find that again in college football, man. It's, it's very few and far between that somebody spends that kind of time on campus because if they have success, number one, at Washington, we've seen that they'll leave for a bigger program like USC with Stark and like Alabama with Kalen DeBoer, or they go to the NFL. I mean, Rick Neuheisel, before he got fired in 2003, was talking to the 49ers, and he was talking to Notre Dame. So – there's always going to be a bigger fish when it comes to UW. I'm not saying that UW is the smallest fish in the pond. That's crazy, obviously. But there's always going to be a bigger fish uh, when it comes to Washington. So you're never going to ever, ever hear me again ask about somebody being the next Don James because we're just never going to see it. Does Dan Quinn uh, have as much value today as he did yesterday, uh, before yesterday? Yeah, absolutely not. No question about it. That was a disaster yesterday, guys. I don't know. I assume you guys are Cowboy fans, man, watching that yesterday. That was a friggin' joke. I was shocked at how much they just let that Green Bay offense just pull them apart. And I'm kind of irritated because I had Green Bay in a survivor pool, and they <laughs> lost to Tampa Bay in, like, week 17. Baker Mayfield had a perfect passer rating, and I lost him. I, I was down to three. It was, it was me and two other guys for 20000 bucks. What? And I lost because – because freaking Green Bay could not beat Tampa Bay at Lambeau Field. So I'm watching that game yesterday thinking, is this the same Packer team that just got their ass kicked by the Buccaneers like two weeks ago? This is the same team that the Dallas Cowboys are letting fry them and slice them up through the air and on the ground. It was an absolute embarrassing joke, I thought, for Dallas yesterday. And look, I get it. You know, one game is not going to decide a guy's future. Dan Quinn is a good coach. 
He's a good culture guy, and he would slide right in here to Seattle and be a great successor to Pete Carroll. But th- there's no doubt that I think his uh, his resume took a little bit of a kick in the crotch yesterday, if you ask me. Softy as a lifelong Cowboys fan, I can tell you, here's what happens with the yeah. Cowboys. They are good at every single thing, but not great necessarily. And they will have one glaring weakness that when the postseason comes, that it will be completely exploited, and that all year long was their run defense, and Dan Quinn couldn't do anything about it. And yesterday, the playoffs happened, and the Packers exploited it so much that even they were throw, thrown to wide-open receivers because the Cowboys were just so crossed up yesterday. Oh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. It, it, well, what they're bad at is, is winning playoff games. That's mm-hmm. what they're horrible at, and they got a they got an owner that needs to get the hell out of the way and hire a football person to run the franchise. I mean, that look, guys, it was – when was the last time the Cowboys played in the conference championship game? Has it been 30 years? It's been 28 years. 95. Yeah. And that's just stupid. I mean, I, I mean, Smokey was 70 years old. He's now 95 <laughs> the last time they played in the conference championship game. But that's embarrassing for the Dallas freaking Cowboys and that star and that logo and that organization for how much they're beloved and how much they're supported to go 30 years without playing in a conference championship game is embarrassing. So, I know this. If I were doing a radio show in Dallas, I'd be banging the drum for Jerry Jones to quit, retire, or move into a nursing home every single day and let a football person take over that organization. That's embarrassing. And it won't happen. It won't happen. By yeah. the way, by you... the way, did I ever tell you my, uh, my Jerry Jones, Mike Holmgren story? No. How much Jerry Jones likes money? Holmgren uh, does a show with us every week, and he tells a story a lot that they're at the owners' meetings about 15, 20 years ago. And he looks over during a meeting, and Jerry Jones is doodling something on a cocktail napkin. He looks over, and he's been doodling dollar signs on a cocktail <laughs> napkin the entire freaking meeting. So, yeah, he's, he's in it for the money. I know he loves the Cowboys, and I know he thinks he knows what he's doing, but there's nothing worse than a guy that doesn't know what he's doing who thinks he does, and that's what you have in Jerry Jones, man. I feel bad for Cowboy fans. By the way, you can say a lot of things about me, but don't ever call me a Cowboys fan because I'm a – Lifelong? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. no, no. I'm kidding, but well, I'm not. I, I'm a, a lifelong Who's Washington, Washington, uh, and of course they're a train wreck too for the last thirty years. Right. Yeah. Uh, wow. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it, Softy. Appreciate your time. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.